this is Sarah Whaler, host of Interrelate. This is episode four, and I'll be talking with Alex Steed, founder and director at the Knack Factory, a multimedia production company based in Portland, Maine. But today we're not going to be talking about multimedia or film. Instead, we'll be talking about what it means to be divorced at 35. Um, awesome. So my first question is just like super general, but um, how how are you doing? And And I guess... Yeah, let's start with that. How are you doing? Oh, I'm. I I guess I'm good. Um, yeah. I I don't know. So I the the my divorce started to be like initiated by way of like both of us, um, uh, you know, realizing that that was the step that we needed to take in October of last year. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, it's like a long, as, as you know, it's like a, just like a long like bureaucratic um, totally. process. Yeah. And so it's it's not it wasn't official until um I think last month and and so uh you know I it, there's so much time over the course of it happening that you know by the time you are officially divorced uh at least in my case I I processed a lot of it <laughs> in in that time frame totally. Yeah in that time frame and then in the time frame even before the time where we decided it was it, it was time to get divorced, you know, which is the lead up to that decision, is a time in which like you know things aren't great, and so you're you're also processing that, or at least in my case, I was for sure. That. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, relationships are are so complex, and you never know what they're like on the inside from the outside, and and like yeah, I think we go through all the phases of grief before we know it even. Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. In, in turn, it, it's you know it's interesting, uh, and everyone does it differently, and everyone grieves differently, and some people do it all at once, and some people do it over time, and and I'm I'm much more of a like, um, you know, I forget I forget who I saw say this somewhere recently, but it's like you know just try to get one percent better every day. Um, that's a good at, way of looking at it. Yeah, totally, and it's like that that is much more of like a, a like a proactive progressive statement, meaning like in your life get one percent exactly. better. Exactly. I think that that's the case too. If you're, you know, if you're having a, if you're having a difficult time that comes along with uh, getting a divorce, um, you know, hoping to feel better tomorrow is an unrealistic expectation. Exactly. Yeah. And even feeling sad is still progress. Like feeling emotions is still progress. But at the time, it doesn't feel like you know because it's painful to feel sad and to feel hurt and anger and all those feelings, but that's still progress. Like going through those emotions is still, you're making, you're making strides. So. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and how long were you guys together? We, uh, I got married uh, or we got married, sorry, um, in 2012. Um, okay. so we, so the, the marriage, um, the marriage lasted shy of six years, or not shy yeah. of six years, a little bit over six years, and then, um, yeah, it was it was all said and done. I think it's the worst way to say it. I don't mean right. it's a sense of flipping, but it was it was it was um, uh, official, I guess, um, about six years after we got married. Yeah, that's right. It. I wonder if there's sort of you know if the seven year itch is really a thing. You know, because in my sure. in my experience, it was about initially when I sort of expressed some discontent in the relationship was about at seven years and then kind of 
revitalized the whole thing and wound it it wound up being closer to ten. But um, right. yeah, I wonder about that. I mean, because yeah, from the outside in, and and we're not, we don't need to get into your actual marriage, but like it seemed very seemed so loving. Yeah. So so the the um you know and, and I I said to you. Uh, I said to you prior, and I, I just want to say it so people, if people are listening in and they're wondering why I'm being effusive in any way, you know, I, I um, you know, I do, I do have uh, uh, so much love for, for my ex. And so I'm just trying to honor, um, you know, the fact sure. that she, she's a pretty private person. So I'm just totally. trying to not get into specifics, but the, right. the, um, I, I know I, it, I've heard people anecdotally speak to the seven years being a thing. And I, and I, and I believe that there's, there's sort of, there's research about just what happens to us uh, in inter- like a shared interpersonal level, like six right. or seven years in. So I, I do think that there is something there, though I I don't know that that is um, that that was the the reasoning for for my divorce. I think that you know uh, we just we just got to a point where we we're like, oh, this isn't. Uh, manageable like this mm-hmm. our like our, mm-hmm. our personalities aren't manageable or um and you know that's like a thing that happens over time it's not like you wake up one day and, you know right. and you know and you go oh this isn't working it's like it's like um you know yeah, a lot of factors a, are swirling for a while and then you finally like it clicks exactly yeah yeah and it takes time to come to that realization and like several experiences or situations to, to realize that, yeah, for the long term, this may not be a workable thing. So. Right, and you have to, you also have to, like, or you don't have to, I guess if you're going to, like, I'm a big fan of processing things, and, like, I'm right. a big fan of, like, figuring stuff out and, like, trying to get better. Totally, <laughs> so, yeah, no, I hear and you. so, like, like, I think it's, it, it's also important to, um, you know, it, it, it's important to be as self-aware as aware of the other, and I think, like, mm-hmm, when you're... True when you're in a situation where it seems like it's not, it's not great or you're in a relationship that you, you were hoping to obviously have been much longer than, than it turned out to be. Um, um, it can become really easy to fixate on like the stuff that the other person is doing and then go, That's a good go point. you know, Oh, you own this. And, um, you know, I, I own a lot. Like I, I think I realized like a, a friend of mine, um, is going through a similar thing. And um, she read a book. Uh, she re- read that. It's like a seminal book in codependency called Codependent No More. And she oh, read that book. Yeah. yeah, she read that book. And she's like, hey, uh, based on everything I've heard you say, uh, have you considered reading this book in codependency? And I Interesting. And was like, oh, how does this author know me? Wow. <laughs> so so does, and was she insinuating that you have codependent tendency? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And she was right. And she was right. She was wow. totally right. And so. Yeah. And so, like, I think, like, what, what had done important to me is, like, I was, I, I was, you know, to some degree, like, pretty fixated on, on stuff that I think was not my responsibility. And, and after, you know, like, going through the process of, of becoming divorced or, or getting divorced, I, I had time to be, you know, reflective and introspective and, like, look at some of my own stuff and try to own some of my own stuff. Right. That's you know awful. I mean? Totally. Yeah. What did you discover in that time? Um, you know, that I, I, I didn't think about like why I had codependent tendencies, but I, I absolutely do. I mean, it's like, it's like there couldn't be, there couldn't, without someone knowing me, like someone couldn't have read, written a better book about my shortcomings in a relationship. Hmm. And, and so, and I know, like, I don't think I've slowed down to think about where these things come from. Like I, you know, I go to, I go to uh, therapy and I, I, um, I deal with like a, you know, like I'm, I'm pretty into like Zen Buddhism.
criticism and like right. I, I I try to process and be introspective and 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 think about stuff, but like there are just like some inherent blocks. And so I took care of my father when he was sick in my mid twenties, and and had always been to some degree taking care of a sick person or being an adult for people who otherwise should have been the adult. Right. And and so like that marked my that that has marked my um what my pursuit for intimacy looks like. For sure. Yeah. And and so I think I I realized that and I realized like how, you know, like you're often people are codependent because like crappy stuff has happened to them or because they've sure. yeah. been through yeah. it. But it doesn't mean the tendencies are terrible to deal with for the other person. No, and I mean so, Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, continue yeah. with that. That's, oh, yeah. no, it's, I was just saying, like, I just had to, I had to own that a little bit and go, like, you know, like, some of the things that I saw as as behaviors that were totally out of the blue and coming at me for no reason were coming at me because I was being a good person. Right. That's a good way to articulate it and to realize. Yeah, and so what what were some of those behaviors? Um, I think, like... Um, you know, like like general fear of abandonment, and then and then having anxiety when I felt like when I felt like um, uh, there was You're any in- sort of like withdrawal. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And then absolutely. and then um, there's the there's the I guess like in uh, especially with codependence, there's the tendency towards like pursue like the pursuer mode of communication, which means like you you sort of incessantly need things resolved, and until they're resolved, you over communicate. Whereas whereas often the person on the other end of that is a withdrawer. So they so when you know it's sort of like a pretty toxic cycle because the pursuer who would be me is like right like what's going on? How are you doing? Is, is everything okay? Like and it only you know, increases the angst for you. In exactly. Degree. Yeah. For sure. Exactly. And yeah. it, it makes the other person withdraw. And then if they're withdrawing, you feel even more sort of hopeless or bottomless. And so, totally. so you, you create this cycle of, um, you know, you create this like unhealthy cycle of, of communication and, and behavior that there's, it's really sort of becomes a no win situation for either of the people involved. Like I don't, I don't envy, I don't envy my, uh, by, by no means do I, do I think or believe or know that, that I, I, uh, you know, acted sort of like overtly crappily towards anyone, like in a way where I was like, like, uh, uh, I'm going to be a, I'm not a bad person, but I'm going to, I'm right. going to be sort of a difficult person. Uh, yeah. but that said, uh, there are times uh, where she's had to just sort of like deal with my, um, uh, not anxiety, but like, um, but neurosis, yeah. neurosis. Oh, yeah, neurosis. Yeah. Yeah. Where I'd be like, Oh, I don't envy you. <laughs> so, no, and that's interesting, and I think about that, too. I think about um, relationships that I've been in. I was in a, my last, re- most recent relationship. I broke up with him four times, but we kept getting back together. And I think, too, I don't think of myself as a codependent person, but his communication style definitely didn't meet my needs emotionally, and that was one of the continual issues. And I wonder, in terms of dynamics, like, because you're describing codependency and I'm wondering, hmm, is that me? But I don't I don't think of myself as being having exhibiting codependent behaviors except maybe in certain relationships where the dynamic is right. not getting your emotional needs met. And so it does create this anxiety because you feel hungry, you know? Right. Right. Well I, I don't think so with with the codependent tendencies, I don't think that like I am that across the board. 
But mm -hmm. I, I think you're right. It's like I, mm -hmm. I definitely find I have found myself in relationships where forming a codependent relationship has been particularly easy with the people I've ended up with. Sure. And to some okay. degree, like I'm, I'm looking for that kind of person. And I know that right. those kind of people do very well in other kinds of relationships, just not in relationships with people like me. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. so, well, that's so, really you know, self-aware of you though, to, to have come to that. Well, I think um, if you don't, you will lose your mind. Yeah. I think like if you're, if you're not, it, you know, I think a lot of people end up falling into this idea where there's sort of some sort of like structured normalcy and they keep missing the mark on, on, sure. on getting to that place. And I, I don't think that's the case at all. I think that, you know, there's so many different kinds of like beautiful and odd and interesting sorts of formations that can happen. Okay, and, I and I just have ended up in situations where that was not the, that was not the, um, that was not the end game. And not only was it not the end game, like the, relationship piece didn't bring out the best in both of the people right. me, meaning me and the other person right and so and i really do this is such like a friggin' like flighty uh new agey thing but like i i i i honestly do believe that like the people i've been in relationships with i like fundamentally and profoundly love and so i like the best thing i can do for them is to at least acknowledge on my part that the relationship part of our loving each other isn't, isn't great. Right. Right. That's a good way to kind of articulate it for sure. Yeah. And so going forward, if you realize this tendency in yourself, how, how do you plan to try to overcome it? <laughs> that is if a that's fantastic question. <laughs> right? Easier said than done. Well, I think so. I think a, a, a couple of things. One is it's about being aware of who I end up with in the first place, right. and 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 what my end game is. The end game is a horrible way to look at it, but like what what the, it, what the objective or values are with that person, sure. right? And so and so I have in a relatively brief amount of time, like had very you know very sort of like short lived um, uh, I don't know not relationships, but like. You know, yeah. I've had like encounters. With That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Like, where where it's like the end game for both of us wasn't like to like be in a long term committed you know relationship that's going towards marriage, but it's like you know just to sort of know another person in a in a different way than a way that is casual and like sure. and that's not sort of like you know like hookup oriented. Exactly. And so and like and that's great because like it's like as long as both people know that that's what is being looked for, that's, that's awesome. And I think what I would do in the past is go, this works really well with this person, gonna lock this down for five years. True. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and I realized that that is not a constructive way to go about things because, you know, I think I think I am a person who, for, for very specific reasons in over the course of my life, am always waiting for someone to leave. And I need to do everything I can. I, I, my, ang my anxious impulse is to do everything I can to get that person to stay. And wow. none of those things are becoming. No, that, that's got to be so stressful. And I'm thinking, <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking, too, back to my own marriage where I feel like my ex was that. He was the one toward the end when I was the one to initiate the divorce. And he said to me, he's like, you know, he was really, he was devastated, but he did say ultimately, he's like, you know, this, this is good because I always felt like I was chasing you. Right. And, right. 
And it was almost like this like weight that's lifted that was lifted that he didn't feel like he had to keep me or fight to keep me. Um, but then he consequently like got married really quickly and, and like basically married very, no, I don't want to say the first girl he met, but it was. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. Well, I, yeah, I, 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 that's what, that's when, so that is when my friend looked at me and I'm, I'm not, I'm not at all equating these two things and suggesting anything about you, but like my, when, when I, you know, started to, to out, you know, outwardly express not concern, but yeah, like a little bit of concern for my ex and like, what is she going to do now? And like, what is, like, is she going to, is um like, will she be able to be able to find a relationship that works for her? Like all this stuff. And my, right. my, my friend who gave me the codependency book was like, Hey, it's not your problem. Like, totally. Like it's, this well, is not yeah. You still your... feel emotionally invested though. It takes time to kind yeah, it, of no, detach it, from that. Exactly. No, it's totally true. And and I and I don't and you know, like especially for people who you think at some point you'll be friends with. Right. You do still obviously you have the same concern you have, you know, for for anyone, anyone you love and have friends. Exactly. For sure. But but like you know, disentangling things that are legitimate concerns and things that are like, you know, in codependency it's like in theory you're doing things that are to express care for that person. But like right. really it's it's just to make it for them, you know, it's very subconscious, but it's like it's to make it for them to feel like a, a like leaving you would be a trap. Yeah. And it's a little manipulative. No, it's Not super like, manipulative. Yeah. And yeah. especially and it's especially toxic if you don't know that's totally. what you're doing. <laughs> no, totally. And you're saying that and and it's reminding me of a time when also similar conversation with my ex and uh, we were kind of having the conversation of, you know, what's going to happen next. And he said to me, he's like, yeah, you may find, because one of the things was like passion that was lacking right. for me, like and that fulfillment. And he said, well, you know, I'm sure you'll find a guy, but, you know, and maybe he'll be really good in bed, um, but he'll probably cheat on you. And it was like, let's just veil. Oh, yeah. Bet, you know, of like, oh, yeah, God, well, that's, that is, that's that, like, but. that's, next level codependency stuff <laughs> and in the time i was like oh maybe that's true i mean i did have that fear right of like oh if i find that you know that needs being met then yeah maybe it'll come with someone who isn't loyal so yeah right. no that's interesting it's yeah right so, but it, yeah. it seems Go like ahead. on paper like if someone audited that statement you know it, it, there's enough there to make it seem like it's coming from a place of concern and it's for not sure. like that's a, that's yeah. a, that's a pretty like beautifully overt one that can that is like actually a great illustration of how it it can work but like yeah it's 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 this like silent it's this silent almost like self delusional manipulation where you're like well I'm really just trying to help like you should know this and it's like no, totally. no you're not <laughs> exactly it's not helpful at all yeah right and so for me yeah, so for yeah. me just looking at like how to be healthy it's like you know the or how to how to how to move on the you know the first thing is really a matter of of doing everything i can and orienting myself and you know orienting my behaviors and life and patterns around you know being as honest with myself as i can be um exactly yeah and that self-awareness exactly it's the first yeah it's so powerful Right, because you can't, I mean, it's like if you don't know what you're doing, you can't stop doing it. For sure. But that self-awareness is a big deal. And then also just like, I'm a, I have like relatively manic tendencies. And so I can, 
I can like go into a particular cycle of behavior for three months before I'm even aware that it's happening. And so, so like, so knowing that just like tempering the way, just tempering my lifestyle. So that's not as likely, I think right. it's like a really, is a really big deal. So like wait, waking up in the morning, you know, like making my bed, meditating, writing, like doing anything I can to self-impose the level of calm that you need to have a level of self-awareness is, is Yeah, for sure. Now, do you find, because it sounds like you're dating, do you think technology, yeah, because I'm guessing that prior to being divorced, I mean, the technology was obviously much different. And the right, right, parents, right, right. Right? And Bumble and Tinder and all the apps. Yeah. This paradox of choice that's being presented to us. Right. How do you feel about that? I mean, how with your personality and if you have these sort of tendencies, how sure. how is that presented? I don't know. I sort of like there's things about there's things about the whole app thing, and I've only used Tinder, but there's things about it that I like a lot, which are like being able to cut through sort of some some layer of performance, even though it's a whole other layer of performance. <laughs> some layer of performance to just be right. like, like, do we theoretically have the same interests and like find each other attractive and, sure. and, and whatever. And then like, let's initiate conversation from there. Like there's something sort of liberating about that. Right. Um, and I've, and I've enjoyed actually a lot of the conversations I've had there. I've, I've, I've already like formed what feel like decent friendships from that. Totally. Like, yeah. It didn't really go in any particular yeah. place. Yeah. I, but like, I was just with someone, not with someone. I was, I went out with someone last night in like a whole other circumstance, and it was, it felt so old-fashioned in that, like, you know, we were friends, and I think we were sort of like, you know, flirting a bit, and and uh, it like felt like high school because it was not a technologically dependent that's interaction. Yeah, yeah, it was. I was yeah, like, this is adorable. Totally. totally. <laughs> did, you, did you feel like? you would in some ways value it more because in in some ways it's like a more quality interaction or a more meaningful connection? Well, well I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if I would because, you know, everything beyond like technology of a pencil is, is like an artificial construct that helps shape our behavior. So it's like, True. You know, but but I do see people say really funny things on their Tinder profile where it's like, if this works out, let's not tell people we ended up together via Tinder. Like, sure. I, 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 yeah, like yeah. there is a self awareness about that, right? But but I think the thing I wouldn't want to to confuse nostalgia for value, and so oh, the, that's a good point. The thing that I was the thing that I was I was psyched about last night was I was just like, oh, this just feels like when I was like a kid and excited. It's like less calculating. It's not like, you know, like, is this person interesting in the right ways and like, you know, decently employed and quirky in their profile. Right. It was like, it was like they were sort of because of the circumstances of the, of the the evening. It was actually like a not at all expected thing that we were going to spend any time together. Like someone was like revealing themselves to me on their own terms. That's special. Yeah. Yeah. And it's true. And I think to the, to that, the dating apps do present this checklist kind of mindset and this thing of like, oh, if this doesn't work out, there are hundreds of other girls or guys that I can just swipe through, whereas this right. is like more rare. That kind right. of connection is more rare and so in some ways a little more precious. Well, um, you also have to you also have to nego- you have to do a little negotiation in real time with a real human being that you met in, in that context. 
Like, because yeah, you sure. have to go like, you know, I am, I am a little nervous about the fact the sort of like the idea that it's like, well, if this thing doesn't work out today, there's a millions of other people out there tomorrow. There's not, right. by the way, in Portland, Maine. Like, if you're on Tinder in Portland, Maine, like, well, it's, it's, it's like a yeah, day yeah. before you cycle through. But like, <laughs> I you know, forget about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I mean, but, I'm, but, I, yeah, go ahead. But doing it like my has been doing it in LA because like, like you get to meet all different kinds of sure. people who mm-hmm. who just in my social. You talk about bubbles, like in in my bubble of like going to like you know coffee shops and producing commercials, like I only see a certain kind of person that wouldn't get exposed to me if it that's weren't true. for apps. So so that's that's pretty great. But I am nervous about the instant gratification, immediate gratification thing where it's like if this doesn't work out, um uh there's there's other people because, you know, like just being reminded of like what that kind of interaction is based on um my time last night. It's like you go you know Especially when people are in their thirties, <laughs> right? You got to be like, okay, this is this person's very much this way, and exactly. and and I can look not look the other way on on this thing, but this thing is interesting. This thing is interesting. Uh, this cork is whatever. These things that like, um, I think I think you can be a little bit more forgiving out of a sense of wonder if it's happening in a more organic, like less constructed way. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it it is just a more organic interaction that is less fleeting and yeah, it's interesting. I do wonder what the dating apps are doing to our brain, you know? Oh yeah, and, for uh, sure. I don't I and, and in general, not just dating apps, I think just technology I, I think is long term going to have impacts that aren't aren't super healthy for us. Um Yeah, I agree. It's definitely the anti zen Buddhism sort of thing. I find I find just when I put my room my phone in the other room, I'm happier. Like immediately, I'm like, wow, I feel happier all of a sudden because I'm not tied to this device that is sort of, I don't know, constantly checking. Um, but that's that's beyond dating. Um, yeah. So other questions. I know we need to wrap up soon, um, but just a couple other things. Sure. I guess. We touched upon this a little bit earlier, but how, you know, as a result of this quote unquote failed marriage, and I don't, I don't even want it. I don't think any marriage that doesn't end that, or that ends as a failure. I think we learn from all of these experiences and quote unquote failures and like six, seven years is a, is a good run. How, how are you going to take what you learn from that experience and kind of fold it into a subsequent relationship should you want to get to the point of wanting to try that again? Sure. I guess, um, <laughs> That's a biggie, I, guess, I know. Well, it's a biggie because, you know, and I, I know that you, you, you already said, you're like, I'm not saying that, that it's failed or whatever. Totally. But like, I just think that like a marriage is a failed concept. Like marriage mm-hmm. is the, as the only outcome. Like when we look at it as the only potential marker of success of bonding human love which is sort of like the thing i'm most interested in doing is like how do we how do we you know how do i give as much love as possible and and um unselfishly get as much love as possible right like like those to me are sort of the primary interest and so you know i heard this interview with neil brendan the other day on mark maron's podcast where he said you know he finally came to terms where he's like hey maybe you know, I've been, he's 44. He's like, I'm I'm doing all this work in therapy to get m- marryable. And I have mm-hmm. been for a long time. 
and like maybe being marryable is like not the objective. I the ideal. Do, like, yeah. Wow. Because it's That's like awesome. it's like. Yeah, it's huge, and it's like rever- you're reverse engineering a solution for a problem you don't even know that you have. And yeah. and so I, I guess, like, I'm not a person who's saying, like, you know, like, I know that my ex, you know, absolutely to be helpful, I'm sure, was like, was like you know, it, you're going to be fine. Like, you'll get out, you'll meet someone, and you'll end up with someone or whatever. And if that happens, that's fantastic. Like, that's great. But it's also not a primary objective, nor do I think it will ever be a primary objective sure. again. It'll be a situation sure. of going, am I being open and loving and, and honest and generous and sure. right now? And what serves that best? Totally. Um, and and how, do I, how do I do that with or share that with? another person or, or, or people or just myself. Like, you know, uh, my, my friend who gave me the codependency book says that she's taking the year off to date herself, which I think is such a I good idea. Yeah. Sure. And, and so easier, I, I don't. Easier said than done. But oh my God. Of course it is. Cause done. why wouldn't you just sleep with someone else and, and immediately feel validated um, uh, cheaply than having to get to know yourself, which is so difficult. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Or, and I guess, I mean, and I, or why does it need to be so binary? Right. Why can't, exactly. you, why can't you get to know yourself in the midst of getting to know other people and how, why can't that expand your, you know, or deepen your understanding of yourself? I do believe you can do both. I know. I think so. I think so. Absolutely. I, I think. I think if someone is saying that that's what they're doing and there's an exclusivity to it, they're maybe acknowledging a, um, a you know self-aware inability to do both at once. Sure. True. Um, yeah. And I don't think. I don't think you know that you have to be exclusive in order to find something or find someone or whatever or find yourself. But you know, I, I do know that um, you know it's like if you're in recovery, you're not supposed to date someone for like a year especially someone who's in recovery because because you know that there's (laughs) you both have a tendency (laughs) exactly yeah no totally totally um yeah no those are those are all good thoughts alex um so i know we need to wrap up i'm going to wrap up with a quote from have you heard of esther perel oh my god okay you need to check out her ted talk um, Mating in Captivity is one of her famous books. She's amazing, like emerging. Re- she researches sexuality, basically. Um, and so I'm going to end with a quote from her and just want your, like, final thoughts on it, and then you can go and check her out in your free time. Great. Um, so one of her quotes that I had noted the other day from a podcast I, was, I had listened um, with her is, there are lots of people you can love. There are only a few that you can live a life with which I thought was really powerful. Sure. Um, Obviously that extends to friends as well, but like, what are your thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, that's probably true. I mean, we're, we are, um, you know, we're just extraordinarily complex organisms and with, with a a complex makeup, you know, philosophy, outlook, uh, damage, uh, uh, all that stuff. And to find, someone who we can not only love, but, you know, we feel, we feel generous with and feels generous with us and, and, and all of that. It takes, uh, it, it, it takes a lot. It's a feat. It, and it, it, it takes a lot of change and it takes a lot of insight and it takes a lot of work. And, um, 
And, it, you know, it, it will always end up being forever because the other issue we need to think about is we, we, we as individuals live, you know, five to six lives in our lifetime. Exactly. Yeah. Especially today's day and age. And our lives are just getting longer and longer. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I agree. Um, no, that's good. Yeah. Well, thanks. Thanks for sharing your thoughts on that. If people want to find you out in the world, um, where where would they find you? Sure. I I am. I don't know. Like, I guess Twitter is still a thing until the apocalypse, which seems pretty yeah. soon. So uh, Alex, <laughs> Alex Steed on Twitter um, or uh, I have a. I have a company called Max Factory, which is spelled with a silent K at the beginning. Um, and uh, they can find uh, my work there. Awesome. Well, awesome. Thank you, Alex. This has been a pleasure. Um, bummed we have to cut it cut it a half an hour, but thank you so much for chatting and sharing your, your insights and your experience. And, um, yeah, it's been fun to follow you over the years on social media. And uh, let's, let's continue the conversation. Yeah, I look forward to it. Thanks for involving yeah. me. This is, this is helpful so. for me. Awesome. I'm so glad. Yay. Thanks, um, so Alex. Take, take care. Yeah, you too. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a comment and be sure to check us out on social media, on Instagram at Interrelate Podcasts, on Facebook and Twitter, and head over to our website at interrelatepodcast.com. See you next week.